this fuck shit going on? I'm sick, no I'm not, can't eat Ramadan, kiss that, let it down Anybody that you'd ever meet I'm the type that you remember when you go to sleep The court courtney's got this is the Hey you guys, welcome back to Block Channel. We're back for episode 88, and we're continuing our flow of talking uh, about uh, the emerging applications uh, and uh, kind of like primitives that are coming up around uh, the Connects multi-chain ecosystem. Uh, you know, as developers, you know, seek to you know take advantage of what Arjun Bhutani and, and their team have have been working on for the past few years, and of course, you know this. Conversation this season will also like evolve, you know, for things maybe particularly outside of that connect sector too. But for right now, we want to focus on kind of what we can do to help make the multi-chain, you know, kind of asset ecosystem much more palpable um, to the general consumer audience. You know, we, as I said on the prior episode, you know, we moved past like NFTs, um, not completely, of course, but you know, as an experimentation, as a major primitive, as a as a major character arc in crypto. Uh, and then, you know, prior to that was like kind of the first initial like DeFi summers with a lot of liquidity building in around Ethereum and other EVM compatible chains. So now that all that liquidity is, you know, fragmented across many ecosystems, you know, we're trying to have different conversations on, you know, user design choices, applications, services that just sort of make this whole like process easier for everybody. Um, so that being said, I've got a gentleman named uh, Aaron McMillan on today from a team uh, from a firm called Zodiac. Uh, not the Zodiac that uh, Marin Altman knows all about with astrology. This is a different Zodiac. Um, this uh, this uh, project like, I'm pretty excited about. I actually asked uh, Arjun myself. I was like, yeah, give me a list of all the partners that are working on you know, with Connects for, like, for the launch. And I kind of went through and cherry-picked everything that, se that, that seemed interesting to me to kind of build up a, a, you know, a few guests for this season. Um, so, Arn, if you can, uh, you know, you follow me for years on Twitter. We've had like a lot of back and forth, kind of like, you know, kind of conscious discussion here and there about uh, the nature of crypto and, you know, what's what's evolved. So can you give us a, a background on on you, who you are as a person? And then after that, we'll dive into Zodiac. Yeah. Hey, guys. Steven, thanks for having me. Um, yeah. So I guess background on me. Uh, I've been... Um, in, in the kind of crypto Web3 uh, ecosystem since, I guess, about 2013. Um, got really actively involved in 2016 uh, around the DAO. Uh, so helped to spin up the, the, the forums and, and kind of community homes uh, for the DAO prior to it launching uh, and did uh, essentially a whole bunch of community work uh, throughout the entire DAO's life cycle. It's kind of meteoric rise and catastrophic fall and the, the fallout from it. Um, and then from them have have essentially pivoted into a whole bunch of different roles, uh, everything from comms to, to product management to uh, solidity development. I am currently at Gnosis. Uh, most folks know Gnosis uh, because of the uh, safe, formerly Gnosis safe, that they kind of spun out. Uh, but the team that I work on is is uh, Gnosis Guild. We're a kind of sub team within Gnosis, and that the, the uh, main uh, technology that we've built uh, or that we've kind of worked on, maybe stewarded, is the best uh, best way to put it. Is is Zodiac, uh, and so Zodiac isn't actually a company or a protocol or anything. It, it's really just a standard for kind of modular, uh, composable, interoperable DAO tooling. Um, it's kind of like a, a philosophy on how we like to think about uh, building composable DAO tooling. Um, yeah, prior to uh, get, being in the Web3 space, I played basketball professionally. So I had kind of a, an odd 
uh, career path into into crypto. Uh, but I think even through playing uh, professional sports, I always had this kind of undercurrent of uh, essentially just being a nerd. Uh, I've been pulling apart computers since I was ten or eleven years old, and and uh, you know what would get done on uh, on court, and always go back to that kind of as my my hobby anyway. So to, I think coming back to to something uh, something kind of related uh, is is really me just kind of coming full circle. I think. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So, so yeah, yeah, man, I made a mistake earlier when I called like Zodiac a firm, but try to try to speak real quick with these things, you know, the yeah, whatever yeah, team, no yeah, yeah, whatever team is generally, you know, open source contributor focused on kind of like that initiative. But with that being said, of course, like, you know, the, you, you know, said a little bit about, you know, what, what there was with Dow tooling and everything. Can you, can you give us a little bit of an explanation as to where Zodiac falls into the general like Ethereum like kind of ecosystem of like uh, a stack and, and just sort of what what you envision is going to come about from that. Yeah, so the the core kind of insight that led to us uh, essentially thinking about uh, Zodiac and, and and ultimately wanting to build a standard out of it was we we were going through this process of of how do we kind of spin up the the gnosis dao uh, how do we create this this dao to to kind of transfer the entire kind of gnosis treasury into uh, what what tooling do we use and and we were particularly conscious of not wanting to make choices that really unreasonably restricted the the future set of choices that the gnosis dao could make uh, particularly in how its its organization was designed um uh, or, or the kind of the set of tooling that it would have uh, the ability to use later on, or at least like the ability to use without really tremendous switching costs. Um, and, and in exploring all of the, the existing DAO tooling at the time, we realized that picking any one of them would kind of unreasonably lock us into that ecosystem in a way that meant uh, really high switching costs to, to, to later go and explore some other tooling uh, or just kind of incompatibility with, with um, a bunch of the the existing tooling that might have been built for for other ecosystems and so the the core insight here was like what if we could uh decouple the the accounting for the organization uh and the control mechanisms for the organization so those two things are kind of in in all of the i don't know first generation of of dow tools those two things are really tightly coupled where uh, you have the account and the mechanisms that control it bundled into the same smart contract or into the same kind of tightly bundled uh, set of contracts. Um, and so what this means is like, say say you start out as a uh, Moloch DAO, right? And six months down the road, you say, okay, Moloch DAO is awesome, but it no longer fits our organization. You know, we, we, we've grown, we've changed, we've evolved, and now we want to become a compound DAO. Uh, you have this huge switch in costs where you have to basically move all of the assets that your DAO holds from this Moloch DAO over to a new, newly deployed compound DAO. You have to update any contracts that your Moloch DAO is the owner of or has some other role in to kind of now point to this, this new compound uh, governor DAO. Um, and then you have to change any external references kind of saying this is the address of your DAO on chain that you know referencing your Moloch DAO you have to try to change those to your newly deployed compound DAO uh, and in most cases or in a lot of cases you have no control over those external references you know there are other websites uh, other other lists other um, 
you know, places referencing it that you you, you know have this uh, indirect uh, ability to actually control. And so, yeah, there's this huge kind of switching cost for for migrating from one framework to another. Um, but if you are able to kind of separate your accounting from a control mechanism. And what I mean by this is essentially have, have an on-chain account that your DAO framework controls rather than having the two things coupled tightly together. Then migrating from one to the other is essentially a process of enabling the new framework on your account and disabling the old framework on your account. Everything else stays the same. Assets stay put. Uh, all of the the external references to your uh, DAO, they all stay put. Uh, all of the uh, roles or permissions that you have in other smart contracts all stay put uh, because all you've done is is plug in a new mechanism to control it. So this is uh, the, the kind of core insight there, like decouple account and control. And and, and from this, we we end up also opening up this this much larger design space on on what organizations can look like um, and, and kind of leverage, I think, one of the really beautiful properties of, of Web3 uh, in this like permissionless composability. So we, we by, by kind of standardizing what that interface should look like, you allow people to build whatever account contracts they want, but then also whatever module contracts they want and have those uh, all be kind of permissionlessly interoperable with one another because they conform to a standard. Uh, and so that's what that's what essentially Zodiac is. This is standard for what uh, an account should look like. We call this an avatar. So the the, the avatar is the thing on chain that represents the entity. Uh, we, uh, avatars should expose this common interface, uh, I avatar, and then you can plug in any any modules you want to that avatar. You can kind of create arbitrary chains of uh, of modules um, to to kind of modify their behavior and things like this. Uh, I guess that's all pretty abstract. So maybe a, a kind of more concrete example would be useful here. Uh, so an avatar would be something like a Gnosis safe. Uh, it, it exposes this uh, this interface. Actually, the the I avatar interface was really just cherry picked from uh, the safe because the safe was by far the most broadly uh, adopted modular contract account so it made sense to kind of leverage that as the existing standard uh, kind of, or write the standard from the existing implementation rather than create a new standard so uh, the safe exposes this interface and then uh, that that kind of becomes your account and if you want to extend its logic if you want to add additional ways to control it then you would enable another contract as a module so that might be uh, you know, you want to turn your multi-sig into a DAO rather than going migrating all of your assets from the multi-sig to the DAO. You uh, enable a governor DAO as a module on the safe. You remove all the signers on the safe, and now governor DAO has uh, unilateral control over the safe. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, a good overview of of what Zodiac is. Yeah, no, that was that that was that was a good, very long, two hundred floor elevator pitch. It was good. <laughs> uh, so that so that being said, how does how does this fold into the, the Connects ecosystem, right? And like and and how do you how do you how do you envision um, you know the, the the protocol that Arjun and them have been working on for the past few years and sort of perfecting and helping to generalize? How do you how do you see that benefiting Zodiac? Yeah. yeah. So one of the things I, I talked about this opening up, kind of a. a larger design space. One of the things mm -hmm. that kind of opens up is this idea of multi-chain, multi-layer entities. Um, so because you're decoupling 
your accounting from your control mechanisms. You can have a scenario where your account exists on one chain uh, and your control mechanism exists on another chain. And so Connects comes into play here as one of the routes that you might take to have uh, so your, your, a good example of this would be, say, you've got a DeFi protocol uh, that started on an Ethereum mainnet. Its governance exists on Ethereum mainnet, but now it wants to uh, deploy instances of the protocol on various layer twos or, mm -hmm. or, or uh, side chains, right? So uh, what we would do is have, yeah, your governance contract on, on layer one. Uh, you would use some, some bridging mechanism like Connects to pass uh, governance results from layer one to, to layer two or to uh, a side chain. And then on your uh, side chain, you would have an avatar, probably a safe, and plugged into that is a module, this Zodiac Connects module, which essentially uh, allows you to authenticate uh, that the message originated from governance on layer one, uh, crossed the bridge, was not modified at all, is still valid, um, and uh, allow you to trigger execution on layer one from a governance proposal oh sorry execution mm. on layer two from a governance proposal on layer one mm. do you think that inherently technologies like this are kind of like a stake that we can use to hold like slowly absolve ourselves of some of the tribalism that's built up over the years of so many different chains do you think this is sort of like yeah something that sort of helps that helps bridge us socially too not just technically yeah i mean honestly i don't necessarily see tribalism as as a negative in this context i think like mm -hmm. what what is a, a negative is is where tribalism becomes so uh becomes kind of completely intolerant of other tribes right it's fine for mm -hmm. people to have tribes it's fine for people to kind of choose a, a place they want to live or a place they want to kind of interact uh for, for whatever qualities uh that that ecosystem or that tribe uh uh kind of has exhibits um you know that this people are going to have different preferences and that's totally mm -hmm. fine i think what what is uh a shame is when yeah tribalism becomes kind of toxic and intolerant of of other tribes mm -hmm. um and so yeah i mean bridges uh, kind of building bridges is, is always a great way to kind of break down uh break down barriers to kind of increase communication flows and and, and allow better uh, interoperability both kind of metaphorically and and uh, practically um, so yeah, I think this this type of thing, you know, interoperability layers between uh, different execution environments, different tribes, is a is a fantastic way to um, foster kind of cooperation and and uh, interaction between those things, as opposed to this kind of more more toxic competitive uh, uh, relationship that that seems to be the default in a lot of cases. Are there specific DAO communities that have already shown some generalized interest in what you guys are like building tool set wise? Um, yes, I think the, the obvious use case is this uh, kind of DeFi protocol that wants to expand into other ecosystems, wants to kind of deploy its, its stack into uh, new and upcoming um, uh, EVM uh evm deployments and i mean eventually non-evm deployments as well we just haven't gotten to the point where we're uh we're writing contracts for for non-evm chains mm -hmm. but at some point uh I'm, I'm sure it will happen um the the other use cases that i think uh are interesting are kind of the the examples of oh i mean so if 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 DeFi DAOs are kind of 
expanding out into into other ecosystems, then there's also uh, presumably users on those ecosystems or, or they're kind of anticipating other users on those ecosystems. And so uh, they're, they're the same uh, same rationale is true for for kind of end users and for in particular for kind of organizational users um, in in those those kind of other tribes, other uh, other execution environments. Um, and so you can imagine. I mean, I guess like the other use cases that are that are probably most interesting or, or kind of maybe not most interesting but most obvious uh, are things like where you've got a um, an organization that exists on one chain, kind of again has its has its governance on one chain, but wants to take advantage of of opportunities uh, that are uh, being created in new execution environments without having to kind of recreate their governance process over on another execution environment. You know, you have an existing established governance process. You maybe don't want to fracture that governance process uh, by by kind of recreating your your whole token weighted voting structure in a new uh, execution environment and having kind of duplicate uh, copies of that uh, that governance process so being able to bridge your governance from one to another i think is is a really important uh, use case for enabling kind of just any kind of organization to uh, again have its decision making logic live wherever it wants but be able to have kind of as many different accounts uh, as many different avatars as it wants uh, on uh, spread out across many different uh, many different worlds many different uh, execution environments um, one of the really kind of practical use cases of this is say it's kind of operating in the opposite direction to what we talked about with these kind of DeFi protocols expanding into layer twos um, participation in governance is expensive right uh, on on mainnet ethereum so one one really valid use case for this is saying like we want to have an account on layer one because this is where most of the liquidity is. This is where the best kind of opportunities for for yield are, or whatever. Uh, or this is where the the NFT projects that we want to participate in, uh, you know, our, our community wants to wants to you know hold NFTs uh, in in you know whatever this uh, this this large NFT ecosystem is, and it's deployed on layer one. But we don't want to deal with layer one gas costs for uh, kind of every vote we make. So mm -hmm. we're actually going to deploy our governance over on, on layer two or on some side chain, and then mm -hmm. uh, have an avatar on layer one that we can control from layer two and, and only kind of bridge decision-making over when it actually gets to the point of, of executing something. Everything prior to that, the whole kind of decision-making process happens on layer two where gas is cheap. Mm, okay, so no, yeah, now, now, yeah now, now it all makes sense. Okay, perfect. So, so that being said, um, like what what can we look forward to from kind of Zodiac and, and kind of like coming up like into the future? You know, we've got the Connects Network launch and everything kind of coming on. What's 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 the plan like like throughout like the end of the summer? Yeah, so we have a whole bunch of different modules that we've been working on uh, and and kind of will continue to work on that essentially just add options for for what these kind of uh, what these kind of setups might might look like essentially allow organizations to express themselves so we we try to build really uh quite fundamental uh building blocks that people can kind of compose however they like so some good examples of that uh, are obviously like the bridge modules that we've built so far uh we also have a a roles module for really fine-grained kind of access control 
this is super useful for right, maybe the, the, the practical use case that we built it for originally was to enable non-custodial treasury management for the Gnosis DAO's uh, treasury. So we have a, a group called Carpatkey that does kind of active treasury management for the Gnosis DAO. And what the roles module allows us to do is create a role for them that explicitly enables them to do productive uh, treasury management, do things like rotate assets between different curve pools, but does not allow them to do anything else. Doesn't allow them to transfer assets kind of to any arbitrary address uh, or, or kind of do do yeah, anything that hasn't been explicitly uh, approved. And so this, yeah, for, for them specifically enables this kind of paradigm of, of non-custodial treasury management. Uh, they've now gone and uh, taken the same model to, to start managing uh, some other DAO treasuries, uh, ENS and Balancer and whatnot. Um, so that's the kind of specific use case that we were building for, but we realized that this is a really just general purpose uh, tooling. There's this kind of fundamental uh, need for access control for, for uh, organizations to be able to build really fine-grained access control. So you could do things like, uh, say you've got a pause button on your DeFi protocol and you don't want to have to go through the entire you know, month-long governance process in order to hit the pause button when, when something breaks or something gets exploited. So maybe uh, one option here would be to have uh, a roles module set up uh, connected to your avatar and then have a, a small council of, of kind of really trusted community members who, you know, a, a threshold, say three or five of them can hit the pause button and they can do that in a matter of kind of hours instead of a matter of weeks in order to, to kind of stop the bleeding if something, something goes wrong with the protocol. Um, or, or a similar kind of uh, concept here would be if you had, say, a, an organization that's transitioning from multi-sig to, uh, to DAO controlled, and you want to take some kind of smaller, more incremental steps, one of those incremental steps along the way might be to have a small group of folks that have veto power over the, the, the DAO governance. So while you're you're still learning, while the community is still learning to govern the protocol effectively, maybe you have some of the, the project founders that still have the ability to, to kind of veto things that they think are malicious. And eventually that, that power gets removed, but it's a, it's a nice intermediate step that allows the, the project creators to feel comfortable that the community will kind of learn how to govern effectively before uh, totally taking their hands off the wheel. Uh, mm. So yeah, roles module uh, for kind of fine-grained access control. We actually have a, a second version of this coming out uh, very soon that's based on a whole bunch of the feedback that we got from Karpatki's process of, of making bids to ENS and Balancer. Um, in particular, what it lets you do is uh, uh, go much deeper into, into how you're restricting the kind of parameters that uh, can go into a function call on a specific contract. Um, and then one of the other fundamental building blocks is this delay module, which is functionally similar to uh, the, the time lock contract that governor uh, DAOs have. Uh, essentially just enforces a time delay between when something is approved and when it can uh, actually be executed. And so this is, uh, again, just a really like fundamental piece of, uh, uh, fundamental building block for allowing organizations to, to kind of structure decision-making uh, in, in ways that uh, enable, for example, like their community to respond to a decision before the decision is actually executed or, or allow uh, essentially kind of a safety feature. Um, 
so yeah, they're, they're two kind of uh, pieces that we've built already that will be uh, continuing to kind of put out and, and um, I don't know, evangelize. Um, we, have, we have a whole bunch of other uh, modules as well, many, too many to, to kind of dive into each one on the, on the mm -hmm. uh, show today. I think another, another piece of tooling that is worth mentioning though is uh, not a Zodiac module in itself, but uh, bridge related is called Hashi. Uh, and this is essentially a bridge aggregator. Uh, what the idea here is that um, every every bridge exploit thus far has has essentially happened because some dependent some systems have been dependent essentially on on one bridge telling the truth. You know, you've got the ability to mint the canonical instance of some token on on a layer two chain, and it's controlled. Uh, entirely by by one bridge mechanism. You exploit that bridge mechanism, and you're able to mint as many tokens as you want, drain the liquidity pools, and just destroy the entire ecosystem. Uh, I think four out of the top five uh, uh, kind of exploits on Rekt uh, on on their leaderboard were, were kind of bridge-related incidents incidences. Maybe like seven out of the top ten, where it's like some bridge get exploit gets exploited, and it just totally destroys some some kind of tokens ecosystem because again someone was able to kind of arbitrarily mint tokens and so what what hashi does is essentially say let's bake in some redundancy to bridging rather than trusting one mechanism we want to trust a we want to require messages to be agreed on by several different mechanisms so similar to say a multi-sig where you would have um, you know, a threshold, say three or five. Uh, in this case, you would say, okay, we've got three different, or we've got five different bridge mechanisms. Maybe one is wormhole, one is the, the Gnosis chain A and B, one is uh, succinct labs, uh, the telepathy uh, kind of ZK light client, um, a, a, you know, a handful of others. You say, we'll, we'll accept a message as, as true only if three out of these five mechanisms agree. Um, the, the other thing I think is worth a, a kind of reasonable comparison is is like a raid setup uh, in uh, in a, a kind of storage uh, like a computer storage system. So yeah. a redundant array of uh, independent disks. Mm -hmm. um, in this case, it's like a redundant array of independent hash oracles, a redundant, mm -hmm. redundant array of uh, of independent message passing bridges. Where you just say like, we we have these messages. If one goes offline, one gets exploited, uh, one of these oracles yeah stops working as intended, then it doesn't break the whole system, allow some to exploit it, and it doesn't uh, stop the whole system. So it's kind of less fragile and uh, more secure uh, at the cost of it obviously being more expensive. Uh, but I think for, for, for really large scale, um, for kind of securing really large scale, really important functions, again, like the canonical way to mint uh, a, 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 the representation of a, of a token on a new execution environment, that extra cost is, is well worth it uh, for the, the kind of better security and, and uh, better fragility properties mm -hmm. but well 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 succinctly put i like the i like the raid array <laughs> metaphor analogy that's that's good that's good you're in you're don't worry you're in, you're in the right crowd of nerdy people with this with this right, show, right. So everyone will get you uh so that that said like how can we how can we more depthly follow like like what's the name of the the github horror twitter like, what, what can we what can we do to kind of keep, like, keep track of this for any of the listeners yeah yeah i i would say follow uh 
on on Twitter at uh, Gnosis Guild, mm -hmm. um, and then uh, on GitHub, uh, I, I'd say keep an eye on any of the repositories that have Zodiac in the name uh, in the Gnosis org. So GitHub. Mm -hmm dot com forward slash gnosis um and then yeah there's a whole bunch of repos in there that have zodiac in the name that's most of the the things that we're working on hashi is just h-a-s-h-i uh that one doesn't have zodiac in the name so if you want to check that one out as well go go take a look um and then yeah uh, i guess i'm i'm at oren underscore macmillan uh so i'm usually shouting about something along these lines as well Awesome, and what, and just for the sake of the show and, and the and the joke, what's your zodiac sign, R? Oh, uh, it's Aquarius. Oh, mm, of course, very scientific, very airy, very much in your head. This make <laughs> this make this this makes your talking style. This explains a lot. I'm not an astrologist. I don't know. Go to Marin for that. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm just some nerd that likes to stay hip to whatever the hell's going on. Yeah, uh, but the, but but thank, well, thanks for coming on, R, and thanks for helping us understand. I mean, because like really, like I, I I myself took a look at. Uh, at, at Zodiac through the list of, you know, like uh, different, you know, partnered, you know, uh, uh, groups, I guess, in the Ethereum ecosystem that, that uh, Arjun had sent me. And I was just like, ah, I get it, but like, I don't really get it. So I'd like someone to come on and wax about it. So I appreciate that. And um, so I'll, I'll definitely uh, carry us through, put put some nice, nice links and everything in the show notes. Uh, and, you know, as, as the multi-chain ecosystem like comes to expand over the next like few years, uh, more than welcome anytime to like come back and explain whatever the hell you guys else got building on. Because Gnosis has been in the space for a while. I think I had you guys on the show way back in like 2016, 2017, like before right, right, right. there was even a sale a long, long time ago, like OG stuff. So yeah, love to have you guys back on again in the future and see how things are progressing. So thanks, thanks yeah, for coming fantastic. on the show, man, and sharing it with us. Yeah, cheers. Thanks for having me.